0: Hello again and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm Paul. It's the 13th day of January. Thank you for joining me in our journey in the Gospel of Mark. We're in the first chapter. Jesus has just come up out of the wilderness and Mark makes this transition point in verse 14 of chapter 1. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the Gospel of the Kingdom of God remember, Jesus is from Nazareth of Galilee. And so he goes apparently into the wilderness and then back into Galilee. He still hasn't done anything publicly with his experience in the wilderness. John seems to indicate that Jesus goes right into Cana uh, to a wedding and and turns the water to wine. Whether that happens before this moment or not, we, we don't know. Mark doesn't tell us. But what we do know is the transition point that Mark lays in there is that John the Baptist has been arrested. Uh, he John, Mark just says he's been put in prison, but what we know from the other gospels is that John gets thrown into prison. Matthew four tells us because he preaches that, that uh, the tetriarch Philip had slept with his brother's wife and that he was going to be judged. And John's thrown into prison because that upsets that upsets him. He doesn't want to hear that. And you could make the case that John ultimately ends up dying, losing his life, literally losing his life, because of his insistence on preaching the Ten Commandments, the law. Um I don't want to overemphasize that. John is holding the morality of his Judaism up and and calling out power, calling out abuses of power, calling out adultery. Um, However, it is not, I don't think we can overlook the fact that John is is the last vestige of the old covenant. He's the last prophet. Jesus would call him the greatest prophet of the old covenant simply because he paved the way for Jesus, not because of the message that he preached. But that moment gets John killed. Now, push aside the arguments of whether or not He has to move out of the way. I think he has to move out of the way for Jesus to excel. But just lay the juxtaposition between one who preaches the old covenant versus one who is the new covenant. And so do with this as you will. But when John is, when adultery is in front of John, he responds with moral code and condemnation. When Jesus has adultery put in front of him, in the 8th chapter of John, the woman caught in the act of adultery, he does not respond with moral code and condemnation. He doesn't overlook it, but he releases her from her condemnation and points out that her accusers cannot possibly feel good about accusation in light of the fact that they too are guilty under the law. This is something John the Baptist would never say. He wouldn't say, well, you're wrong, but so am I. And, or, you know, he, he wouldn't, He works more towards putting condemnation on than he does taking condemnation off. So for whatever purpose that exists as a sort of juxtaposed narrative in the Gospels, it exists. It exists that John points out adultery as a breach. He's put into prison and he dies. Jesus gives no condemnation, not a blanket approval of adultery. And no one can read John 8 and think Jesus approves, but no condemnation. And his ministry flourishes under that. Not forever. Of course, we know Jesus will meet his end at the cross, and there's a lot of reasons why. But my point here is that Mark makes a transition. I think it's the right one that John goes into prison. Then Jesus comes to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So as it could be said this way, John, who Jesus says is Elijah, for those who will hear it, John has to be moved out of the way in the way that Elijah was moved out of the way so that Jesus' ministry can flourish in the way that Elisha's ministry could flourish. He who had received the double portion of the Elijah blessing, and as many Bible scholars have pointed out, there are twice as many recorded miracles by Elisha as there are by Elijah, and so... We have Jesus coming along as the greater anointing, the greater ministry, and you could even say that it is of a narrative necessity for the flow of the theology, of covenantal theology, that John have his head cut off so that Jesus can be revealed. So you have to sort of cut off the head of one so that the other can be lifted up. And what is the message Jesus comes preaching? Verse 14 says it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. What's that look like? Well, it looks like verse 15. These are the first recorded words of Jesus in the gospels. And since Mark's gospel exists first, it's the first recorded words of Jesus in the biographies of Jesus, these biographical sketches called the gospels. It's hard to say whether or not anyone had ever written down something Jesus had said before. Um, Not likely. So this could be the first thing ever written down that Jesus says. And it's this in verse 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, his first statement is interesting. The time is fulfilled. This is a statement that Paul would build off of in Galatians 4 when he would say that at the fullness of time, Jesus was born of a woman born under the law at the fullness of time, a way of saying it. Everything that needed to be accomplished under the Old Covenant was accomplished. That time is up. It's on the clock, so to speak. And now here comes Jesus. That time's fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the kingdom of God literally has drawn near. That's the phrase. That hand is not believed to be a thousand years away, two thousand years away, ten thousand years away. Remember that in biblical interpretations particularly for eschatology's sake when you hear them say things like it's at hand don't don't assume that means 2000 3000 4000 years from now if it does then the kingdom's not really there in Jesus day either it's just at hand and that can mean anything some ambiguous term but it doesn't Jesus even says if you'll repent that's a mind change repent and believe in the gospel or repent and have faith in this good tidings. Gospel's good news. Have faith in the good news. My question is, what's the good news? He didn't mention heaven. He didn't mention hell. He didn't mention the devil. He didn't mention sin. The kingdom's here. Good news. Change your mind about what the kingdom looks like. And when you change your mind about it, you could receive the good news. We've made the gospel far too difficult. We've made it far too difficult for people to, to understand it. Part of it is because we don't live the kingdom. If we were living the kingdom, we'd have something to hang our hat on. But instead, we're hanging our hat on the unseen only. You can actually see the kingdom being lived out in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When that happens, we have something to talk about to get people to believe. Believe on that. Jesus begins to call his disciples. We'll do that with him tomorrow as we continue our journey through Mark. We'll see you then. God bless.